0: Welcome to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast, where we explore the exciting science behind heart rate variability. The material discussed in this podcast should not be taken as medical advice. Please check with your medical provider to make sure any suggestions or strategies are right for you. Visit us at the OptimalHRV.com website to learn more about the Optimal HRV app, download a free copy of Matt's book, Heart Rate Variability and also get show notes and additional resources around heart rate variability and its application. All right, and I think we are live. Um, well, hello friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Optimal HRV podcast. Uh, today, I am back with a previous guest, Miss Alisa Alisa uh, Johnson. Yes. <laughs> Hi,
1: uh, it's nice to meet you. Yeah.
0: The, yes, yes, uh, well, well, great to have you back. And um, for those who may not have heard your first uh, podcast, can you give a brief introduction on uh, on who you are and uh, and all? Yes.
1: Yeah, so my name is Alicia Johnson. Um, I am a Tri Three student in the Naturopathic Medicine program, um, and I just recently did was doing research over H R V and how it affects. How different types of meditations and yoga affect HRV. One specifically I mentioned was vipassana yoga, which showed to increase your increase your high frequency and decrease your low frequency. So this meaning you have more parasympathetic activation, um, your body's in a good repair homeostasis state. Um, and just recently, during the whole process of me doing the research, um, I started looking into how the menstrual cycle affected HRV because I noticed, noticed that my own menstrual cycle was fluctuating a lot. So I decided to look into the different phases and that's where I'm at right now. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, awesome. But- and, and, and that's uh, gonna be our big topic for today is all about the menstrual cycle. Um, and I'm, I'm very excited to dig into that. But uh, before we do, uh, you mentioned such a, a, a such a great little gem there about yoga um, and affecting the LF versus the HF. And uh, and for those of you listening who, who may not be 100% familiar with that, with HF, uh, we are referring to high frequency. With LF, we are referring to low frequency. And, um, and the high frequency is going to be related to vagal tone or the strength of your um, parasympathetic nervous system, essentially. Um, so we want that to be a higher number. And the LF is going to be uh, more related to your actually your barrel reflex or the withdrawal of your vagals uh, of your vagal system, so uh, so we want to see that number typically lower as well, um, with the exception of when we're doing our resonance frequency breathing. But um, but with that, you said there was a specific type of yoga that you could do that increases those things in the direction that we want. So what was the name of that yoga that you had said?
1: Yes, so um, the. Meditation with the yoga, just any type of yoga, was by Pasana. So V I actually let me make sure I get the correct spelling. V I P A S S A N A
0: A N A. Okay, yes, because that and was I wondered.
1: Anyone on, right, anyone can go on YouTube um, and look up different types of meditations, and it'll just walk you through.
0: Okay, awesome. The vipassana yoga. Okay, I want to check that out for sure. And uh, I know even Randy said that he tried that out and was uh, and was yeah. really blown away with uh, with the results that it gave him too. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, That's um,
1: good.
0: That's good. Uh, yeah. so I, I'm excited to uh, to do that. And actually, want to want to have my wife try that. She is a big yogi herself too. So oh, nice. yeah, okay. we'll do a a yoga yoga meditation together.
1: It definitely has a change in perspective, I will say. And I think that also had to do a lot with decreasing the stress in order to have more variability in our HRV. Oh,
0: interesting, okay. All right, well, awesome. Yeah, I love that. Um, (laughs) Okay, so we're gonna get into the big topic for today, which is going to be the menstrual cycle and HRV. Um, So before we get into the menstrual cycle, you know, we all have a general idea of what the menstrual cycle is, um, and then there's 50% of us out there, right, approximately, who actually live the menstrual cycle uh, once a month, right, or did for a time in our life, and um, and and as you were just saying before we get on, before we got onto this call, it's very different actually living in something than it is just hearing about something, right? Um, so I can hear my wife talk about her menstrual cycle. Um, and when, uh, for example, when, um, when we were talking about having children and in the process of all that, right. I was intimately connected to her Metro cycle and the fact that we were paying close attention to it as a team, but I still have no idea what that felt like. I still didn't completely understand it. Um, so I would love to, to get a little bit more insight into this. Um, so can you take us through uh, what does that mean, the menstrual cycle, when somebody says that? Um, what is that cycle? What are we talking about there?
1: Okay. Yeah, definitely. I can take you through that. Um, I would like to say just a little lighthearted. The first thing I will say is a lot of women will say, we are, we really only get one week out of the month where we're normal <laughs> or feel normal. <laughs> so that's like the first thing with the menstrual cycle um but um the biggest thing with the menstrual cycle is that there are two phases two big phases there's a follicular phase which is also our proliferative phase and then we have a luteal phase which is um usually the day where we have like our ovulation and then we're starting to build up that corpus luteum um so in the first stage which is the follicular phase It's, you have endometrial tissue growing, repair and regeneration, you have low progesterone. And then also um, this is around like days two to 13. And then you start day 14 would be ovulation. Um, Usually around the follicular phase for me, I'm very more high energy. I will say I don't have any, the normal PMS or emotional feelings. I just feel like I have a lot of energy though. Then when I transition into ovulation and the luteal phase, the luteal phase is actually where we'll have like um, a lot of our highest progesterone, which stimulates LH luteinizing hormone to prepare the corpus luteum um, for implantation. Um, And this is also around the area where we have higher body temperature too in the luteal phase. Um, Me personally, during this phase, I can feel very, maybe agitated, I do notice that I'm a lot more hot. Um, I sweat a lot more. Um, I may feel a lot more agitated, irritated, or getting closer to menses, a little bit more emotional. And we also get a lot of, um, what's, it, what's the word? Hunger, cravings too, around that time, I've noticed. Um, but the interesting thing that I found with the menstrual cycle in comparison to HIV is that in the follicular phase, this phase is where our parasympathetic nervous system is more active. So, in the research, it's found that we have a decreased LF and an increased HF within this cycle.
0: Very interesting. Um, this is
1: also this is also where we have estrogen estrogen dominance from increase in FSH receptors too. Then, in comparison to the luteal phase. Um, This is where we have our highest sympathetic outflow. So this was also where I said, you know, I feel more agitated. Our body temperature is higher. Um, We have increased LF and decreased HF. Um, And the interesting thing that I found with the different type of research is, um, and this is another thing that I wanted to say was, this research and looking into this has taught me more that HRV and the effects of HRV on our body is more about how our muscle and how we expend our energy more so than the hormone fluctuations affecting the HRV. And it brings me back to how we talk about the diaphragmatic breathing and how stress can physically induce our body to break down or to have have tighter tension or things like that. And I think this research that I had looked up really um, showed that. And the other thing was a lot of this research has been fairly new. So I've been getting a lot of articles from 2014, 2015, 2016, and 2017. To me, this is really good because it's getting, it's starting to get more talked about. However, I feel that in order to make a clear concise of what is really going on during the menstrual cycle and how it affects physical performance um, and muscle tension exercise and your increase, In HF or LF has more to do with how you were expending that energy. Um, I say this because there was one study that I found with young women in medical school actually and they looked at the results of stress on the menstrual cycle and they did HRV testing Um, and specifically what they did was they put a cotton ball up under the girl's mouth in the morning and they tested saliva cortisol levels. Um, The only thing about this was they weren't consistent with measuring all the girls' follicular, luteal, and um, ovulation stages. Um, So they just kind of based it on, oh, we'll do it in the morning. We'll do it um, towards the night. We'll do it this week. It was just the data wasn't consistent with it. But at the end of the study, they had said that the cortisol stress, um, stress and HRV wasn't related to the cortisol, that it was actually independent of it, regardless of where they were in the menstrual cycle. And this study was done done on women who had regular menstrual cycles. So then I found another study that actually compared um, women who had irregular period cycles compared to regular period cycles. Um, And they actually did a study with them for eight weeks, I believe, and they did intensive exercise during as well. Um, The other study did the intensive exercising, too. Um, And with the women in the regular and the regular study, um, it showed that they both had the same amount of cortisol fluctuations during, regardless of whether they had irregular or regular periods. And it was more so delineated that the exercise and the intensity would had more of an effect on their HRV. So then I started to look more into, okay, I'm seeing that a lot of this data and this new research is coming out is that they're testing gonadotropin hormone, they're testing all of these hormones and then they get to the end and they're like, all of this data is independent compared to the intensity of the exercises. So then I started looking into the intensity of different ex- exercises that we could utilize during those different menstrual cycle phases. Sorry if I'm talking loud. <laughs> my mouth is getting no, bad.
0: no, no. You're you're um, okay. Go so, so this is this is so great, and and it's yeah. and it's funny to watch your brain work because we can see yeah. we can see where you started. And then we can see the rabbit hole gets a little deeper and then it gets a little okay, deeper good. and then it gets a little deeper and a little deeper. Right. And, it, and the problem with these rabbit holes, when we get into our research is that they just don't end. Uh, <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. Okay. I was just, I was just making sure we're keeping up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and actually, at least before we go any further with that, uh, cause I do want to come back to that with the intensity of exercise. Um, yes. I just want to uh, reverse out for one second and, uh, and make sure that we, recap on a couple of things that you said early on, uh, to make sure that everybody is with us. And that is, um, so when you were talking about the menstrual cycle in general, uh, so that yoga that you had talked about, the, um, the, the Vipassana yoga, um, and, and I may yeah. be pronouncing that completely incorrectly. Um, the benefits that you see with that yoga, you, um, yourself and, uh, and other, and all other women, um, are getting this as a result of your regular menstrual cycle, you're getting similar benefits of that decreased LF and the increased HF um, for the beginning part of your menstrual cycle every, every single month. And that is so cool. So, um, so excuse me, <coughs> sorry, we're both getting a little bit of the dry mouth, right? Um, and um, what's so cool about that is, um, is planning phases right if if we know that our body is more capable and more powerful in particular parts of the month versus others we can plan our life accordingly right exactly. uh, and and there's and there's so much power in knowing that um in right. understanding that i'm not going to load this part of the month super heavy because i know that i am not going to be physiologically capable of handling as much as i can in this part exactly exactly it, it, so just that that piece alone understanding that gives you such a freedom of saying oh my gosh it's not just me right it's this is everybody um, so yeah. so why am I stressing myself out about this I just need to change the way that I plan things so that it matches me um and of course you know like like when we were talking about finals just before you we hopped on here uh, you can't always change things like finals but there's other right. stuff in your life that you can change to make that better, or you can do things like the meditation yoga uh, right. to make sure that even when you're not in the best part of the month for yourself, you can boost that up, right? Right,
1: um, exactly.
0: So, uh, and then I find it interesting that, yes, then for the, uh, for the remainder of the month, you actually do a, a vice versa. Uh, <laughs> so that's that not so cool. <laughs> um, yes,
1: not so cool.
0: And for men listening out there, um, you know, this is such a great thing to, to understand as well. Like naturally your sympathetics are ramping up, right? So, so we just have to think about what that means, you know, from, from an outsider perspective, when somebody's sympathetics are up higher, right? Does that make sense that they might be a little bit more on edge? Right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So yes, it's, it's, there's so much power in uh, just, just having a very general understanding of these things. Right. And, uh, and just understanding our partner that, that your capability is to handle and your capability to be there, even, you know, as a partner, as you know, um, as a mother, as, as whatever is going to be totally different in one part of the month versus the other. Um, and and then that gives us an opportunity um in my eyes anyway to uh to help support more uh in those situations yeah. um
1: yeah. that's so interesting that you say that because in doing the research um i actually shared my hrv with my boyfriend um and i tell him about it too and he knows like when my cycle is and so he's actually seen where it's gone down during certain times of the months or during the and so he understands he's like that's interesting like now i can know you know, if you're vegan a certain way or how I can support you so that it, it really is, it does help with that too. So,
0: Yeah, that, that is so cool. And, and ultimately art brings you closer as a couple to those kinds of things too, uh, yeah. which is very cool. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, So then we started talking about, um, so from there, we started going down and talking about how you see this relating to the amount of energy expenditure. And I thought that that was such, a, such an interesting way that you chose to, um, to phrase that um, because you didn't say exercise. Um, you didn't say, you know, sitting in front of a computer, you said energy expenditure because uh, yeah. that can equate to so many different things. Um, right. Including just, uh, you know, uh, fluctuations with your basal metabolic rate um, you know, that can be coming about as a result of these changes that are happening within your body. Um, and if your sympathetics are higher then we know, energy expenditure is higher. Um, so, uh, so what do you mean specifically by energy expenditure, or is it just a broad term of anything that's expending mental, physical, um, emotional energy? Uh, if you could expand on that just a little.
1: So I would describe energy from doing all this research, I would describe energy expenditure as something that we have to look at as, in times when our body is in a good parasympathetic state, sometimes we do need a stressor in order to keep us balanced. Or sometimes when we are in a high stressful state, you know, this time, or maybe today, I don't need to do heavy lifting weights. So let me do a yoga exercise or something that can calm me down that doesn't allow my muscles to do more work and more energy because I'm already so tense. I'm already so tight, you know? Um, And so that kind of correlated into the energy expenditure. In one article, they actually mentioned the menstrual cycle is just a cycle of energy, Um, energy, amount of high energy being exposed in the female body. And so I kind of correlated that with energy expenditure with exercise. Um, And so that's how I kind of ended up finding an article about how they mentioned about muscle groups employed and the mode of action seem to be stronger modality related Factors such as dynamic dynamic versus static, different types of exercises, Um, and so that's how I really got into defining energy expenditure. So it can be a good thing, and then it can also be something that we need to back off on at times.
0: I I love that you said that. And for those of you um, who who might be watching this on uh, on YouTube or whatnot, you might have seen me give a little uh, a a cheers there. Um, (laughs) Okay. So. That is exactly it though, uh, Alicia, you hit it right on the head. Um, when we're in a parasympathetic state, you know, do we need something to jostle us? Yes, absolutely. Right. Um, and if we are overly sympathetic, do we need something to jostle that too? Yes. Um, it, there's, uh, w- within heart rate variability, there is a, um, uh, there's something that we refer to as the coefficient of variation. Um, and that is uh, how much how much does your HRV vary essentially within a, a time period? Um, so let's say like over a, a week's period, um, you know, do you stay pretty much flatline throughout that week or are you way up and way down and way up and way down? Um, and, and actually we see that people who tend to be on the healthier side, uh, tend to have a higher coefficient of variation. Um, okay. and that's because, you're never truly letting your body settle in to any of these states right you're always providing some kind of challenge but then you're allowing recovery then you're providing a challenge right then you're then you're providing time for recovery um and and that's and that's what we like to see and that's exactly what you hit was that was that yeah we don't want to stay stagnant with anything right um and it's so great to challenge your body in these times in the way that it needs it Because when you're in a sympathetic state, a challenge for your body might be sitting still.
1: Right. Right. So,
0: um, yeah, so that, that's, that's so cool to point that out. Okay. And, um, and I'm sorry. So to continue on with the, um, with, with the exercise, um, so you were, you were going down the exercise hole and, uh, and then we started talking about cortisol and everything too. Um, so was there more that you wanted to talk about with exercise or.
1: Um, really I was just going into the exercises that I did during each of the phases and then my, how my HIV flux, fluctuated afterwards. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, um, so can you expand on that a little bit more? So I know that you had said, um, you, you do to support each phase, but, uh, but so like, let's start with, um, you know, what we would consider in the, in the follicular phase or, or days one to 14. Um, what do you do to support your body or to you know, quote unquote, jostle your body out of that, out of that uh, parasympathetic state that you're in?
1: Yeah. So um, this time is the around the time that I would do more running, hiking, spinning, cycling classes, a lot of static, dynamic, static exercises. Um, And I did this specifically because in one article, it talked about how static exercise increased your HRV more than it did dynamic. Um, And so around this time, for a follicular phase, you wanted to do, you're in a parasympathetic state so you want a lot more challenge around this time. You want to do a lot more cardio, a lot more heart pumping hit workouts. Um, and during this time, I started off during in the follicular phase, cause I'm usually around an HRV or an RMSSD of 149, 130. Um, and so I decided not to do any of that cardio or the exercising. And so when I didn't do that for a while, it dropped down to 85 and 60. And then I was like, okay, so maybe I do need to, you know, do a little more cycling, do a little more cardio, high intensity workouts. It's it's more so about the intensity. And so once I did that, I dropped, went back up to 105 and 151 um, the next following two days.
0: That is so cool to see. And for those of you listening who are a bit jealous of those numbers too, um, let's keep in mind that. Alicia is is in her <laughs> early 20s, um, yeah. and she's a, uh, a former track athlete, so, um, you know, we, we don't have to be that jealous. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, my numbers are pretty high. It's kind of shocked me, too, but...
0: <laughs> well, that's what you get for being healthy. That's, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, to me. Uh, yes, absolutely. So, um... So that's really cool though. So you, you could see such a dramatic change just from a, you know, essentially decreasing the amount of cardiovascular activity or the intensity mm-hmm. was what you found to be more the, uh, yes. the thing for you, correct?
1: Yes, correct.
0: Okay. And, um, and then another thing that you had said uh, that I found interesting in there was that you said static exercise Mm-hmm. Tend to be um more effective at raising h r v than dynamic type exercise yes okay and and i i I do find that um uh, interesting that that that's the case and uh, and now you're talking about like doing um like running on a treadmill versus running outside in that kind of a and that kind um, of a-
1: really just any, just any running. Just as long as it's one static movement. Um, so okay. like the cycling, the running, the swimming, things that are going to get you into like a consistent state. Okay. Like, that. Um, like one research that I did um, and they did a static and dynamic, they mentioned um, during like the five minute recovery period, it was reported that heart rate recovery, as well as the recovery of RMSSD was more rapid following exercise involving a smaller muscle mass or energy expenditure so um, muscle mass expenditure and energy are determinants of post-exercise parasympathetic reactivation Um, so it uh, that's where it really got me thinking about okay it's more to do with like the muscle mass the energy in the within the muscle that we're using Um,
0: oh okay so this is this is really cool um and all right. So, so when you said that the static versus dynamic, um, uh, I, I was, uh, I was confused in my head about, uh, exactly what you meant there. Um, yes. cause I'm like, well, well, you're not sitting still for either, either of those. Um, but, um, so it's more of a, a static continuous motion type exercise. Yes. Um, okay. So I, I, yes. I understand what you're saying. With that.
1: More but, intensity.
0: Okay. Yeah. And and I'm wondering, and I don't know the answer to this, um, but I'm wondering if the predictability of the continuous movement allows your body to adapt to that, um, and possibly entrain some, um, something with that. And that's something I I'd have to look into myself, but, um, but it's very interesting that that versus like, uh, so I'm imagining like, uh, playing a sport, for example, um, would be what they would consider, uh, you know, a dynamic in this case. Um, yes. Yes. Okay, and that would not, and that would not have such an effect on the heart rate.
1: Yes, correct. Hmm. Um, so um, I and this is a thing where I feel like when I said there's a lot of new research coming out, but also a lot of the new research is is, and what I also question is is how are we going to standardize intensity of these different workouts versus static and dynamic. And that I was gonna mention that, that that was kind of like a flaw within the research that I'm seeing is that, how do we define what is like a standardized measurement of movement for energy expenditure and intensity in order to measure that? So I had the same question too.
0: It, it, and uh it, well it, yes I, I guess that's uh, you know, where the further you get into research the more questions you have um yeah, and right. um it, and a big challenge with that too is everybody would have a very different definition of intense um right. because uh cuz uh, for example somebody who ran track for years your level of intensity, your level of what you consider intense is going to be quite a bit different than somebody right. who's, you know, uh, never done a 5k. Right. right. Uh, right. So those are, uh, those are, you know, big, big factors within there too, but um,
1: exactly.
0: But yeah, there's, uh, there's definitely ways that you can uh, work with that and make it, uh, and make it all, make it all happen. But yeah, those are, yeah. those, those make research very challenging Uh, Mm because it's very hard to standardize something, uh, something like that. Yeah. Okay. So, so very cool. Um, can we go back and touch on the cortisol thing too? Um, so you had said, uh, one of the studies showed that, um, that cortisol was not related to the phase of the menstrual cycle. And then the other studies showed that it was or i'm sorry can you uh uh say that part again
1: so both of the studies one so both of the studies focused on intensity exercises and measured the amount of cortisol or gonadotropin hormone that was involved during during this session so one was eight weeks and the other was um 30 days and what they had necessarily found was they were hoping that they can make the correlation in between it was specifically cortisol and like the stress induction that induced the HRV, but they did it in the way that was able to separate regular menstrual periods compared to irregular menstrual period, periods. Um, and so by doing so, that was kind of like the delineating factor to kind of determine if it really was the cortisol levels in the, in the, throughout the menstrual cycle that affected HRV while they were doing the intensity. So intensity work exercises, they increased sympathetics, they increased cortisol secretion. Um, And so what they're saying was, is that their measurements on what they were measuring was wrong, and they should have done more intensity exercises intensity exercises and intensity measurements, i.e. making sure that they did counteracted like a high intensity exercise in a follicular phase or counteracted um, doing the high intensity exercise during menses. Um, and so both of these studies, they ended up finding that cortisol wasn't a direct effect on how it affected HRV. It was more so because they found that both of the research studies didn't have a huge effect in both of the two irregular and irregular women so okay yeah
0: um, so exercise was the bigger determinant uh, yes or, or level of intensity of exercise
1: yes the level of intensity which makes it harder for um i think a lot of this research study to actually get consistent data with clarifying what exactly is effect- affecting the hrv okay during the menstrual cycle
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. Cause I, I would have, um, you know, I, I would have assumed that cortisol uh, would have been one of the right. bigger drivers. Um, right. So that's interesting to hear that, that it's uh, that's not what they're finding within there. Um, but then it also is very empowering to hear that, to say that you have a lot more control over this than you thought you did.
1: Right and I and like I want to touch back I think it's more so on how it, how cortisol does have an effect but you do have more of and you have more of an effect in changing it and how it turns out or what the levels are
0: so yes. I think
1: that's more so what the research is, needs to be focused more on because regardless you still are going to have that cortisol increase but how are you manipulating that during different cycles or different times throughout your when you are having stress uh, yeah.
0: well and this just supports you know what what we all kind of already know is uh, as commonplace and i'm sure it's uh you know in the research published as well somewhere um that women who exercise consistently have have less of a, a less of a an issue with pms um and right. less issues with their cycle in general um so uh so it is it is very interesting to hear that um or I mean, to, uh, to hear what you had said and then just, you know, reflecting back on something like that, um, that it is, it is a very empowering thing and it is very much, um, you know, that we can say, oh, wow. Like, yeah, I, I do have some control over this. And, uh, and I love how you put that too. Um, you know, that, that, yeah, if you're paying attention to your cycle and you know which phase you're in and you know where you're at, uh, you can really be, you can really be changing some of this stuff for yourself. Um, yeah. you know, and, and really controlling your own biology, right? Um, which is wonderful. And yeah, I, uh,
1: think we have more, I think we have more control than we think sometimes.
0: It, yeah. Yes, yes, we do. Um, and uh, I love just, uh, you know, when you do your resonance frequency breathing, for example, um, you can watch how your heart rate changes with your breath. And you can realize that Oh, I can actually change my heart rate. You know, yeah. something that is ingrained in all of us to think that we have no control over. Yet, you yeah. can watch yourself literally change your heart rate. Um, you know, so it's a, uh, it's, it's very cool. And then, you know, you can take it to the next level like that. Um, yeah. Not necessarily that you can, uh, that you can change when your menstrual cycle happens, but, but you can change the outcome of, <laughs> of that. Right. Um, yeah.
1: You, and you know with like when I was doing my research in doing a cutting back on like heavy lifting weights during the luteal phase, which also is like our highest sympathetic outflow. Um, it, I mean, even then it showed me that if I did the opposite of what my body was doing or kind of toned it down, my HRDV did increase or it did stabilize during the times that I'm usually more agitated. So I think even, like I said before, like you are the best person to really try to experiment with and get a feel of what's going on with your body through it.
0: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So do you feel like as a result of paying attention to this then and, and programming your workouts as such, um, do you find yourself Um, in a much better place. And, uh, and even to the point, uh, does your boyfriend, uh, you know, or those friends closer to you notice a difference with that too?
1: Um, Yeah, So I notice the difference a lot with my energy. Um, If I'm not in, if I'm in a high parasympathetic state and I'm not doing anything, I usually have a lower depressed mood sometimes I feel, or I just feel more sluggish if that makes sense. And so, Like the other day I decided to go work out, do some intense high intensity bicycling, and I felt immediately better afterwards, like it was the medicine that I needed. Um and then also to um, you know, I would say people around me notice it too. Can (laughs) do the difference, or they're I talk about it so much so they're aware of how it can really affect or show just by looking at it on your phone. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, very cool. Um, and I'm I'm imagining that um, that you've probably been tracking your cycle for uh, for quite some time, even prior to looking at this with HRB, correct?
1: Yes, mm-hmm. yes, I have.
0: And uh, and is there a specific app or anything that you use for um, for tracking, or do you do that um, with a calendar with a uh, old uh, with an old paper and pen calendar? <laughs>
1: with <laughs> the paper and pen calendar no I don't have time to keep up like that but um I do have a, I do have an app people really did that did that back in the day is that back in the day or now I don't know it, uh, but actually I still use,
0: use a-, a paper and pen calendar so you know but really? that's that's just okay. me yeah <laughs>
1: okay maybe i need to do that too but um i use an app it's called period tracker and you can actually download it from apple um and it has a white background with a pink flower and it will say peach tracker on the app
0: Oh, awesome yeah and, and that's uh so cool to just have some tools like that and i know that there's um yeah obviously we don't have any connection with them you're not there's there's no benefit that you're getting other than you use their app um yeah but um yeah. And I know that there's several of them out there. So that one you've just tried and you've enjoyed, obviously.
1: Yes, I've been using this for a really long time, actually. Um, So you are able to see a whole entire calendar. um, And it shows the period when you're fertile, ovulation. um, You can mark when you've been intimate. um, And it can show you an estimated fertile window, estimated ovulation, um, future period, possible period day. So, yeah. It's a, it's a nice app to use and I've been using it for, I want to say over five years
0: now. Oh, awesome. Awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: and, uh, it, and you just, uh, struck something right there. I, uh, that, uh, that I do want to bring up and, and by no means, um, what we're, uh, what we're promoting with, uh, with the podcast, but, uh, but some of the other, uh, power in tracking your cycle is that that's some of the most effective birth control. Um, and some of the most effective, uh, you know, in, in the birth process, right. In the, in the getting pregnant process as well is knowing, um, when your cycle is actually happening, uh, naturally when you are fertile versus when you are not, um, if you, if pregnancy is something that you're trying to avoid, uh, that's one of the most effective ways is just simply looking at the calendar, um, and, uh, and taking your temperature and tracking other things like that as well, too. Um. And equally, when you are trying to get pregnant, um, that is some of the most uh, some of the most valuable information. Is that right there? Just being familiar with your cycle. Um, so it, it's very cool what uh, what regular tracking of your cycle can provide.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, it's 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 definitely nice to have. And then now also using it with H R V and comparing the dates, it's nice to see the correlations.
0: Yeah. So that's pretty cool. So does, um, so I, I mean, obviously I know, you know yourself, uh, pretty well at this point with, uh, with both HRV, um, and tracking your cycle, but, um, but is it pretty consistent then that you can see that change happening in HRV right about the time that you are changing phases within your cycle?
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, very consistent. Um, like I will say, when I'm coming out of the follicular phase and I'm going into ovulation, I'll usually drop down about 88. And then I might go back up and fluctuate about like 131. And then when it comes to the luteal phase, I'll go back down to 87, 80. So I can actually tell when it's getting ready to start or I'm in that phase. Um, and that kind of lets me know, you know what to do or things that I can do for myself during that time. And it, it has been consistent. Um, I would say it's something that I will continue to use and keep track of just because I've seen the difference in my own like mental state and clarity too.
0: So I, I need to, I need to take a second and go back on what you just said there. So yeah. you said that your change each month on average is a, is a change from it, you said 132 into the 80s
1: yes into the 80s like around the around my like site when I'm getting ready to begin my cycle I will drop down into the 80s 88s and this is if I'm not doing any type of exercise or if I'm not just keeping active I've noticed that but when I am active during those times or I lowered my intensity down during those times, it helps bring up my HRV levels and I fluctuate in between that range every time during the luteal phase. And then luteal menses, and then I go right right back to like 131s or things like that. But I have to feel like I've always experienced a lot of hormonal fluctuations with my cycle.
0: Uh, but I mean, Alicia, that's just uh, like to, to hear you say that, um, you know that it's that much of a fluctuation right and you yeah. and you are the picture of young and healthy right yeah. um yeah. so yeah. so to let everybody else hear that as well so thank you for sharing uh, you know your own, your own personal data um it is something that is just so amazing because i didn't even realize that myself um yeah. that that much of a fluctuation can be happening um just as a result of this this regular menstrual cycle. Cause if I saw that within, you know, if I'm looking at a patient's data and I see, and I see a change that significant, I'd say, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, this person's getting sick. Oh my gosh, this person did, did the most strenuous workout ever yesterday. Oh my gosh, yes. this person, you know, there's some kind of huge strain on this person. And indeed yeah. there is right. Um, it, there is a huge strain on your body. Um, it, yeah. Actually, uh, I believe it is termed the most inflammatory process your body will go through each month. (laughs) Um, Yeah,
1: Yeah. And it's like, it goes to show too, that during those times, like that's where yoga and Vipassana meditation can come into play because not your body's going through so much stress. So you are also stressed too, in a sense, subconsciously. So it's good to really pay attention in those times in order to have it and that's how it can play a part into those fluctuations
0: yeah yeah wow well, that is uh, that is just so so awesome to hear that um you know that that's uh, this is you know normal right this is this is what normal looks like for somebody who is healthy and young um so yeah. you know for those of you who are who are like oh my gosh I see this and these things are happening it that's okay that's okay, because yeah. this is this is what normal yeah. looks like. Um, so you
1: have to put into being a medical student too. So the stress of that. So
0: <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs>
1: it can be a lot more intense. I think it's a lot more intensified during that time.
0: <laughs> yes, I, I I don't doubt that. Yeah, you mm-hmm. you have a little extra stressors on your plate. <laughs> um, so uh, it's um. I just I just like to see that because because uh, there's so many people out there who we sit here when we sit, you know, behind our walls and we go and we go, oh, my gosh, there's something wrong with me. You know, oh, my gosh, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Um, so to hear that um, is just uh, is so powerful in itself. So uh, so thank you. Um, and then you had said mental clarity as well. And I know a lot of this we had talked about. We've talked about a lot of physical things, um, but mental clarity, um, you know, your physical, your, your physical performance is one thing, but your mental performance, your emotional performance is the whole other side of this coin too. Um, and obviously that's going to fluctuate with these things. Uh, just as we would expect, um, that, that you're, you're, it, you're much more capable of, of mental and emotional tests, uh, in, in that first part of the cycle and rather than the second. Um, and, and is that correct there? But I'm, uh,
1: yes, correct.
0: Okay. Yes. And then, um, and now you are saying though, that in doing these yoga, uh, the yoga practice, the meditation practice, um, that you find that that mental clarity returns pretty quickly then or quicker than it would have.
1: Yes, it returns more quickly. And it seems that I'm more, I wouldn't say unfazed, but just more adaptable to, um, less reactive, um, less tense in a way. So yeah, I would say it would be like that.
0: Okay awesome and that's uh, well well the definition of your HRV being high right is that you are more adaptable um,
1: It actually seems like my threat it's like my threshold has been you know adjusted in a way that I could perform better or be have more energy throughout the day instead of feeling tired so yeah
0: yeah uh, to see. very cool yeah you see that you see that threshold go up or we uh, we like to talk about our window of tolerance right how much how, yes. how much nonsense can we deal with? <laughs> or yes. or how many final exams can you deal with um <laughs>
1: yeah exactly
0: exactly <laughs> yeah so uh well well awesome um okay so uh Alicia was there anything else that you wanted to uh to touch on or anything else that you wanted to add to anything that we've um discussed today
1: oh no i think i touched had to touch on everything yeah yeah, I think I touched
0: on everything pretty much. <laughs> okay. Well, well, awesome. Um and I uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on and talking about this. This is a uh, this is a a huge topic and I and I feel like even though we did uh we did get pretty into it, there's so much more yet to discuss in this topic. So
1: Yeah, yeah. a lot more. And I'm sure as the time goes on, like I said, it's been a lot of new research. So I'm sure we'll start seeing a lot more uh, different studies coming out um, in the future too. But in the meantime, I plan on I really plan on getting more into this with my own life.
0: Well, awesome. Well, uh, well, thank you so much for sharing, and uh, and hopefully we can have you uh, come back on again at some point, um, not during finals week, and uh, yeah. <laughs> and we'll uh, and we'll catch up on some more research here.
1: Okay. I look forward to it. Thank you.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much.